right back into the first. <laughs> we are talking about demonstrating today. We're talking about demonstrating the kingdom of God. Last week we talked about declaring, and this week we're talking about demonstrating. Demonstrating, of course, is doing the stuff. Uh, demonstrating is participating in the work of God. Demonstrating is showing that God is king and that Jesus is Lord over our hearts and over all of creation, that He is renewing the earth, bringing justice and peace and health and renewal uh, in relationship to God. That happens in our hearts personally uh, when we get right with the Lord, when we get our sins forgiven, and that happens in the world as we as a church participate in Christ's work of redeeming the universe. And uh, this, is, this is sort of the bridge sermon between uh, looking at spiritual practices and a, a particular practice that I think that we as a church need to grow in. It's going to be an aspirational series. It's going to be uh, really preaching uh, vision for where the church is going over the next several weeks, uh, following Jesus into his mission of making disciples of all nations uh, and of all people. Uh, that means that we have to become disciples, and that means that we are invited to participate in the work of making disciples. Uh, this is actually kind of very central to the gospel. But as we get into this, uh, I do feel the need to pray because I cannot make God's kingdom appear. Uh, would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in the life of this church. Lord, I pray that this morning that, uh, that you would help me declare the gospel clearly and fearlessly as I should. I, I just recognize that I do need your help to do that, God. So, Lord, I just ask that if there's anything that I say that is goofy, that'll just fall flat on the floor. But, Lord, that your words would speak to me and through me and to us this morning and through us when we're at our homes, when we're walking on the road, when we're sitting around the table, Lord, that you would be in our midst and be at work among us, shaping us and forming us into your people who declare and demonstrate your goodness to each other and to the world. And I just ask that that work would begin right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a look at John chapter 20 perfect Easter morning passage. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, what, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking she, he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. 
Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that, she, that he had said these things to her. I think the first part of the gospel, the first part of the good news, what I hope will be a very uh, empowering and encouraging relief to us this morning is that Jesus loves people who are grieving. Jesus loves people who have lost. Jesus loves us when we are in the midst of crying, when we are in the midst of pain, when we are in the midst of going through something difficult and being sad about it. Jesus is there and meets us in those moments. That's what happens in this story. Mary comes to the tomb to weep and to cry. And I think in many ways, of the, of the little bit of Scripture that we're going to look at today, Mary is the bravest person in, these, in this passage. She's the only one with the courage to be sad. <laughs> She's really showing up to grieve, to mourn, and to do that in a way that is real, that's vulnerable. Mary knows from her life and from her experience that grief is the price of love and that she is willing to go through that. She's, she's moved. She doesn't have anything else to do. She needs to go and cry over this death, over this loss that she's experienced. And there's a kind of courage in that. There's a kind of, a kind of honesty and a kind of integrity in that that I don't necessarily see in the other characters in this passage that we're going to read this morning that I think is close to the heart of God. That when we grieve, we're close to the heart of God because God grieves over the loss in his creation. God grieves our sin. God grieves us choosing to turn away from him, from choosing to find teachers who tell our itching ears what we want to hear. God grieves when we don't want to face the pain that's in our hearts and we look to other things. We look to other idols. We look to other things to fill that need that only God can fill in our hearts. And that, that grieves the spirit. That grieves the heart of God. But when we have the courage to grieve before the Lord, when we have the courage to come before God and to actually just face what is making us sad and to be honest about it with Him, that's where Jesus shows up. That's where the Lord can meet us and surprise us. And the good news, the joke this morning, is that God interrupts Mary's grief. Jesus shows up where she least expects to find him a living and turns her world upside down. Jesus shows up and she can't even see him at first. She can't even recognize that he's there. She's so, she's so torn up. She's so, so, so messed up. She's so torn up inside that she can't even see him at first, but he is there nonetheless. And he speaks to her tenderly. He says her name. And when, she, when he says her name, she recognizes him and says, my Lord, my teacher. And then he has this good news. He says, I'm going to the Father Go and tell everybody, this is what I'm doing. And she does. She has a testimony to share. She knows that she has seen him. And when we have the courage to grieve, God is with us. When we have the courage to be sad with God, he meets us in those places. 
That's what he came to do. If you're experiencing loss, if you're experiencing pain, and here, I think this is a really important place to start with this sermon because I'm talking about de- demonstrating the kingdom of God. I'm talking about doing healing. I'm talking about uh, proclaiming and declaring justice. I'm talking about uh, declaring the victory of Jesus Christ over sin and death and the grave. I'm talking about all these really positive, supernatural, powerful things that God does. But in this story and in this telling of what really happened, we don't gloss over the grief. We don't gloss over the loss. We don't gloss over mourning that Jesus did actually die and that was wrong. In many ways, it was unnecessary and it was really sad and tragic. And it's okay if you find yourself in that kind of a place today to meet God in that real place where you really are. That's where Jesus appears to you. That's where he comes. That's where his resurrection power is available for us. We read on in the story. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Boo! Sorry, that's not what it says. (laughs) Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The good news to us here, the good news in this part of the story that I feel like God just really wants to highlight is that Jesus loves cowards. Jesus loves people who are afraid. Jesus loves people who are scared, who are timid, who have... uh, heard the call of God and are maybe not quite so sure that this is really something that they can participate in, that this is something that they can do. And I know that, uh, you know, if you've been part of this church for a while, you've heard me talk about healing. You've heard me talk about the kingdom of God. You've been through the prayer training once or twice before, hopefully. Uh, If you haven't, please come. Maybe you've you've heard me announce it and you thought, I don't know, is that something, is that for me? Is that something I can do? Is that something... I don't know, that kind of freaks me out a little bit. I don't know. I have to tell you that the good news that Jesus loves cowards is really good news for me personally. That is something that I need to hear on a regular basis. I, uh, I, I've been doing this prayer training stuff. I've been, I've been trying to learn how to hear God's voice and to speak those words out loud. I've been, I've been trying to learn how to see what God is doing when I'm praying for somebody and participate in that in those commands of healing that Jesus and his disciples did. I'm, I've been I've been trying to do this since about 2003, 2004, and we're getting pretty close to 20 years. I've, I've been trying to practice this and work this out. And I've seen some things. I've seen God do some stuff I can't explain unless God is real and Jesus really isn't who he says he is. I've seen some things. I've seen people Uh, I've seen people who were having trouble breathing suddenly be able to breathe. 
I've seen people who were, who were limping in pain uh, be able to move freely and start, start moving without that pain. I've seen, I've seen <laughs> we've seen a, a person who had some hearing loss recover, recover hearing in their ear. That, that actually happened rather recently. I've seen God give me prophetic insight into what was going on in a person's life, and I've been able to speak and pray things that I didn't really know uh, what I was saying or what, what, what it meant to the person, but they were impacted with that, and they were touched by that. And there have also been many times when I felt like maybe I should participate in that. Maybe I should ask someone if I could pray for them, or maybe I thought I should maybe share something, but then I just kind of wimped out or I chickened out or I didn't do it. And I, I'm here to tell you that, that God can work through you if you have reservations. God can work through you if you have fear. If you are hiding with safe people and afraid of what might happen to you, then Jesus is coming to you and he's breathing on you and he's saying, receive the Holy Spirit and he's giving you authority on the earth to forgive sins in his name. That's who Jesus is, and that's what he's doing, and that's what he invites cowardly, scared, timid people to participate in. And so the invitation is there for us this morning to respond to God. You know, I just, I remember one time when I was in college, and, you know, I tell this story every five years or so, or maybe more often. Uh, I, I was learning about this stuff, and I was really taking it to heart, right? Like, I was learning that, like, God could speak to you, and God could heal through you, and God could do something through your prayers to, like, touch and impact somebody's life. Um, and uh, and I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I heard this, and I believed it, and I, I was just medieval enough to think that it was real, right? I was just, I was just a little bit wacky enough um, to, to think that maybe I could really do that. And I was in class, and my, my, uh, my, Buddhist, my Buddhism professor at the time, I was, te- I was in a religious studies program at Missouri State, and uh, you know, he's teaching his Buddhism class. Uh, the Buddhist teacher is not a Christian, um, and uh, he's like really hoarse. He's like really sick, you know. And I have this thought while he's kind of up at the front of class like saying, hey, we're going to cancel class because I can't teach do this homework, whatever. You know, I had the thought, I could pray for this guy, and maybe he'll get healed. Like, I've received the Holy Spirit. I know God is real. I've, 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 like, I know this stuff. Like, I believe this stuff, like, and I'm here. And here's a guy who needs to meet the Lord. Who, and I, I immediately, immediately, the next thought that came, as soon as I could pray for him, I thought, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that, I don't want to do that. That sounds terrifying, I'm going to die, I'm going to know. Like, it was just like, it, like it, at the same time, like, as I'm thinking, I could pray for that guy, I'm also feeling like, oh no, what's going to happen to me if I try this? What's going to, and so I, I like, I hung, like, he dismisses class, everybody else is walking away, I'm like standing there, kind of just like shaking, and I totally chickened out. I totally just left the building. I walked out and I said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. That's too intense. That's too weird. That's too confrontational. The social anxiety, what if he doesn't get healed? What if he'd have, what, I don't, ah, I just, I let that kind of 
control me, and I was walking, and I was feeling real bad about myself, you know, I'm feeling really, really just, you know, sorry for myself, and like torn up on the inside, I'm not living according to my principles, and I remember I was, I came to this like intersection, I was walking home on campus, and I came to this intersection, I felt like I'm at a crossroads here, and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me in uh, it's it just in a really clear way. One of the few times where I feel like God is like, it, that was definitely the Lord. I felt like God said, uh, hey, are you going to follow me or do you just want to do your own thing? What's it, what's it going to be? And I knew at that point I had to go turn around and see if I could find him. And so I did. I turned around and I went and I, 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 found, I found him walking uh, out of the parking lot, and I, he was like, he was like three quarters of the way to the car. I could just tell, right? Like he was like there, and I'm like chasing him down in the parking lot. I'm like, say, hey, doctor, doctor, so and so. And I said, hey, uh, listen, you know, I kind of wanted to do this earlier, and I'm sorry. I know you're, you're trying to get home to rest, and but I just, I, I wonder if maybe you would let me pray for you. Uh, and he said, well, and now keep in mind, this is in Springfield, Missouri. Okay, buckle the Bible belt. Uh, this is a town where this, this professor has had probably hundreds, if not thousands, of Christian students uh, at this point. Many of his colleagues, many of the people uh, in the city profess Christ. Uh, they, they would be Christians. I'm not saying they're not because of what I'm about to tell you. I'm just saying, like, this is sort of like widespread state of the church. Uh, he said to me, he said, well, you know, he kind of like, you know, kind of a little little suspicious, a little skeptical. He said, well, that's, that's never happened before. No one has ever asked him if they could pray for him. Of all those Christians that he's encountered, never happened before. And I said, well, you know, I, I would love to just try, you know, if, if, if you don't mind. And, and so he said, oh, you know, he's kind of like, fine. And so I say, come Holy Spirit, and I just, you know, I say, you know, be healed in Jesus' name, or, you know, Lord, would you please heal him? I don't remember what I said. I was so freaked out. And, uh, and then uh, I, I said, did you feel anything? He said, uh, no, but thanks, thanks for praying. I said, okay. And he walked off to his car and went home. Nothing happened. But I lived. Lightning didn't strike me. I'm not dead. I still believe in Jesus. The kingdom of God was not yet, in many ways, I think it was not yet because of my resistance, right? But I said yes to God. And since that time, I haven't always said yes to God. There have been many other times where I have chickened out, but there have been a lot of times where I did say yes. And I've gotten to see some good things happen. You know, this summer, actually, I was at this conference, um, and uh, National Vineyard Conference, lots of pastors, lots of, lots of people, and we were out, at, we were out in the tent <laughs> with uh, Brian Blount, who, let me recommend this book, Brian Blount. Uh, Brian Blount's in Oklahoma City. I'm going to see if maybe we can get together with him sometime. He's a really pretty cool guy. Uh, and Clay Harrington, who's a, a pastor, he's now in Cincinnati, but these guys... They do this stuff a lot, uh, and they really lean in. Like, they, they say yes, like, every single time they get the nudge, right? Like, they're just really, 
into trying a lot. And because they're into trying a lot, they have a lot more success. And, uh, and so they're talking and they're kind of workshopping. I think I might just post this up on the church Facebook page for anybody who wants to watch it. But they're, they're talking about things. And so ministry time comes and all heaven breaks loose. I mean, it is pandemonium. People are shrieking, like deliverance is happening, like people are falling over. It's like the Holy Spirit is doing stuff. People are getting healed, whatever. I get this pain in my back and I say, okay, you know, hey, I, I think I got a word, uh, you know, and so one of the guys on stage says, yeah, if you've got sciatica, you know, raise your hand, like four or five people raise their hands, and you're like, all right, go pr- you go pray for that, you know, the guy who got the word, go pray for him. So I go and I pray for this guy, and uh, the first guy I pray for, you know, he's, he's shaking and he's moving, and he says, you know, oh, wow, you know, like over, over the course of praying for him for like 10, 15 minutes, his pain goes away. And I'm like, wow, awesome, all right, so, uh, you know, and so I'm like, but my back is still, my back is still hurting, so I'm like, okay, where do I, you know, and I, I see somebody, and that person just kind of stands out to me, and my back is still hurting, and I walk up to him, and I say, hey, how's your back, and I say, well, actually, I'm kind of in pain, like that side, okay, all right, so I pray for that person, that person gets, they, they start to feel better, right, and so then, so I did this like four or five times, I like prayed for like four or five people, they were like random people from all over, like, and every single time I prayed for somebody, they felt better after I prayed for them. I don't know why it happened that time, why it didn't happen when I was praying for the other guy. I don't, I don't understand how this works. But I'll tell you that after that time, I, I was super encouraged. I was, really, uh, I was really jazzed about that experience. And then there have been a few times since then where I thought maybe I should pray for somebody and I just didn't go for it. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? I want you to know that if you choose to engage in this stuff, there's not a silver bullet. There's not an experience where you have it one time and then you're never going to have to exercise faith again. There's not going to be the case that it's like, well, you know, yeah, I have a healing story and so now I'm good, right? Or maybe, that, maybe that's a temptation. Maybe that's a temptation for us. I, I, I wonder if maybe that's a temptation I experience sometimes like, well, you know, I've seen that and, you know, I'm good. I'm good, Jesus. I'm all right. I'm, I'm cool. I've done that once. I've done that a few times. But the invitation of God is to follow and to risk and to obey and to keep going for it. And he's empowered us with this gift. He's empowered us with this down payment of the Holy Spirit. And we're invited to participate in that and to declare and to demonstrate it. And that's the invitation from Jesus. Of course, if we are scared to grieve, if we're scared to go for it, sometimes doubts come up too, right? Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, that just means the twin, was one of the twelve and was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. If we 
hear these stories of signs and wonders. We see this stuff. We have our doubts. We have our reservations. We're still waiting for God to do something powerful to us or through us. I want you to know you're in good company and you're okay, and Jesus can still reveal himself to you. He can still demonstrate himself to you, and he still wants to work to, in you and through you. Jesus loves doubters. Jesus loves people who struggle with believing in him. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that Jesus loves people who struggle with believing in him because I would have been gone a long time ago. This is hard. This is hard, and it takes a lifetime. It takes a, 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 a journey over a lifetime to master these things, if we even ever master them. I'm not sure anybody ever really does. I, I'm inspired by people who are better at this stuff than me, but I just think that over the course of our lives, we are going to struggle, and it is okay to struggle. It kind of goes back to some things I said last week. You know, If we're going to be people who declare the kingdom of God, We've got to be willing to be people who are bad at declaring the kingdom of God. Because I'm who I am, and Jesus is who he is. There's going to be a gap. <laughs> There's going to be a gap in what I'm able to do in representing him well to other people because of who I am and because of who Jesus is. And it's got to be okay to struggle. It's got to be okay to have some questions. It's got to be okay to be afraid and to, to, to lack courage at times and to receive God's grace, and to receive God revealing himself and declaring himself and, re and demonstrating his power. Put your hands here. Put your finger there. Like, see that it's real. And the church is called to be the kind of people who can do that for others, who can say, look, God is real. He's healing you right now. He's delivering you right now. He's forgiving you right now. You can be free of that depression. You can be free of that doubt. You can be free of that pain in your body. You can be free of that strife and that, and that hurt. And God is going to do something to show you that it's real. And we have to become people and participate in that work, even if we're not seeing it ourselves. A lot of times we have to believe that it's possible before we see it. And that's the invitation to all of us whether we're struggling with doubt or we've got good reasons to believe that we need to remember. There's always a risk in this thing. John Wimber used to say, faith is a four-letter word. I spell it R-A-S-K. That's always true. One I think I, one, I like what Brian does. Brian kind of riffs on that a little bit. He says, yeah, faith is a four-letter word. It is spelled R-A-S-K, but it's also spelled L-O-V-E. if we are filled with God's love, if we receive what he has given us, then it compels us to act. And it compels us to take that risk that's motivated by love, that's motivated by care and compassion for others. And when we do that, we see it. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The signs and wonders and the demonstration of God's kingdom points to this reality, that Jesus is who he says he really is, and it brings us into right relationship with him. This is how God is restoring all of creation through those relationships and through the reform of institutions and all that stuff too, but it comes first 
through the forgiveness of sin and getting right with God. And it's that work that we want to participate in and demonstrate this morning. Would you stand? I've got kind of a weirdo call to ministry today. It might seem a little out of left field. I was reading Brian. I'm really inspired by this guy. I'm just, I'm cribbing his stuff today. I'm not going to lie. Um, and he was saying that he really thinks that God is pouring out his spirit on two groups of people that often get overlooked in our society. The first is women. Um, you know, we, we live in a sexist world. Uh, and a lot of times women get overlooked. Uh, but God is pouring out his spirit on women. Uh, the other group of people is men and women uh, over the age of 50. We live in a pretty ageist time and a time that celebrates youth culture. Uh, I've, been, I've come forward for a lot of altar calls for people under 25 or people 18 to 22 or whatever, and those are good, those are great. Like, but God is pouring out his spirit on old men and young people, on all flesh. So I would just say, if you're in one of those categories this morning and you want more of the Lord, you want more of the Holy Spirit working in your life and, and doing stuff, I just want to invite you to come forward and get prayer uh, this morning. Uh, also, I would just say, like, maybe you've, maybe you've seen a few things and you are feeling the need to say, I need to, I need to get back on the horse. I, I, need to, I need to try to do this stuff again. I want to I participate in this. Uh, please come and get prayer. Uh, if you've never gotten prayer on a Sunday morning before, I also just want to invite you to, maybe this is the first step. Maybe the first time, uh, maybe you just want to receive something from the Lord. Uh, come get prayer. Also, if you have, you want prayer just for any reason, just come forward and get prayer during this time, okay? Mm-hmm.